You're listening to the Candid Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Pardee. I'm a spiritual life and business mentor, helping you create a life of freedom and purpose. On this podcast, we chat all things mindset, spirituality, and entrepreneurship. My job is to teach you how to believe in yourself, connect to yourself spiritually, and go after your big dreams. Girl, let's do the damn thing. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have a super special guest, Dominique Feldman, and you guys are going to love her. One of my favorite things about Dami is she's just a real and honest person. And in a world where, especially online, we see so many, you know, perfectly curated Instagram feeds and people just are very interested in showing almost a facade of these lives where everything is perfect and um, we, we kind of feel that need to compete with one another on there. So it's really refreshing to have someone like Dami come on the show who's just, she's really herself and she can also help us become more of ourselves. So um, Dami was a one-to-one client of mine almost a year ago now. And then we became wow. friends. She's actually coming to my first retreat in a few months. So it's just been awesome having her in my circle because if you're in entrepreneurship, especially online, it can get a little bit lonely and, you know, we don't have coworkers. So it's pretty amazing to create friendships with, with people who get it and are also going through the ups and downs and the challenges. So Dami Feldman is an authenticity coach who empowers dreamer and visionary entrepreneurs to find their courage and confidence so they can build a business they love and are excited about. And she's a ball of energy. So she definitely builds that up within her clients. Um, Dami, thank you so much for joining us today. One of the reasons I wanted to bring on the show is I attended her workshop about, about, um, imposter syndrome and maybe a month or so ago, and it was so good. So I recommend staying in touch with her, follow her and attend her workshops. And I'm so excited to hear her, hear her talk. So Dami, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that I get to be on your show. I've been listening to it, so it's kind of really exciting. Um, but yeah, I'm so, so, so glad you got to join the workshop we did last, was it last month? Yeah, it was last month or so, or so um, about imposter syndrome, because you had a lot of great things to say. And honestly, imposter syndrome is one of my favorite topics to talk about, so... <laughs> Okay, perfect. We're going to dive into that. I'm so excited to get all of your input, all of your expertise in that area. And one thing that really stands out to me, um, like I said, you, you're just yourself. You're just Dami. You know, you show up in a Harry Potter hoodie and you make <laughs> hilarious reels where you're just being yourself. And it's amazing. But I wanted to ask, do you ever fall into the trap of wanting to be like other people? Or do you feel the temptation to kind of shape, shape shift and become like others who you look up to or who you, who you spend time around? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I mean, I think we all kind of can fall into that trap a little bit. I am thankful that um, due to my experience on the internet with YouTube, um, I very quickly became comfortable on the internet. So on social media platforms and on YouTube, I, I am more comfortable, which is why I've grown into being able to be more myself and feeling okay with it. And in fact, wanting to do that. <laughs> because I feel like that it's just me. Um, but certainly there are times in other situations and other social circles elsewhere in the world where I sometimes feel like I have to fit in a mold. You know, <laughs> you feel like there are expectations put on you that you don't want put on you, but you have, there's nothing you can do about quote unquote. Um, so I've definitely fallen into that trap before. And I, I think most of us have at some point in our life in some aspect of our life. <laughs> So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's kind of like, like diving into comparison, like, mm -hmm. um, something else I wanted to talk to you about was was Instagram comparison, and, and everybody does it. I mean, I, I was doing that long before I had an online business, I would go on the explore page and, and be like, why don't I look like these girls all the time? Um, <laughs> No, Instagram, Instagram was a trap. <laughs> I love Instagram. It is a great place to connect with people, but being it as, as it's a visual platform, um, there is this natural hierarchy we put to visuals. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. Like there's this hierarchy, like these are better than these images naturally. It's just kind of how most people look at things, especially when it comes to visuals. Um, 
so unfortunately when you're on Instagram, it's just so easy to get into the trap of like, there is no one that's apparently on the same field. You have to be better or worse than them, Mm. (laughs) um, which sucks. It sucks that that's kind of how we've looked at things. And it sucks that our normal is, are these like beautiful looking people on Instagram who probably in real life also have awkward moments and make awkward faces and, you know, maybe they're posing a certain way, you know? So (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah. So what advice do you have for women, um, your clients, or even people who aren't in online business to stop comparing and what advice do you have for, for, for them? Yeah. Well, the first step is awareness. The first step is knowing that you're doing it. Um, because if you don't realize that you're comparing yourself to other people, um, then obviously you're not going to know that. Then you just um, feel like shit. Yeah, exactly. Then, then you just feel like shit and you don't, you don't know why. You're like, why am I anxious? Why am I scared? Because there's a lot of people who don't realize that the reason they're afraid to get on camera, the reason they're afraid to put themselves out there or don't want to um, is because they don't want to be compared to people or they don't want to compare themselves to other people. Awareness is the first step and understanding what is the feeling behind it. Um, because once you know the feeling, it's a lot easier to address it and call it out. Like as soon as you can call it out, you can kind of detach it from yourself a little bit. Um, reasons why I give my imposter syndrome and all of that stuff a name. <laughs> yeah. My imposter syndrome's named Donald, everyone. Um, I hope you all give it your own fun names. So. Yeah, well, that's smart because then you can be like, okay, like you, you can just recognize it and call it out. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Again, separates it from yourself a little bit just so you can look at it more objectively. I think we talked about this at one point before. Um, but yeah, that's definitely the first thing. And then I guess it's really hard to just say like, stop comparing yourself to other people. But I feel like once you do have that awareness of why you're doing it and you can call it out, that makes it a lot easier to realize like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Um, first thing I would recommend is don't mindlessly scroll through your feed. I don't, mm. it's not helpful. Don't mindlessly scroll through the explore page, not helpful. Um, I like to mute the people I tend to compare myself to. I still follow them. But I think you were the one that, that mentioned this too. Yeah, I, I do that. Yeah. yeah I, but, um, but yeah, just muting those people so that like they don't show up on your feed or they don't show up on your story. So you're not just comparing the, yourself to them, but you can still go find them if you want to continue to support them. You know? mm. um, but that's a nice thing so that I don't accidentally run into a picture of them where I'm like, oh, why don't I look that good? <laughs> um, so that's kind of one of the first things I do, especially on Instagram specifically, because that's the main culprit here. That is the main culprit. Cause like Facebook, everyone just hates their, themselves and hates their lives. And <laughs> so like, it's not as bad over there. A whole other end. Facebook, everyone's just bitter. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh my gosh. So with imposter syndrome, can you explain to us the different types of imposter yeah. syndrome that there are and basically run down of what it is for those who don't know. And, and how do we know if we have it? Okay. Yes. So I love this. I love this. I actually did pull up some of my notes for this just because I need to make sure I remember. Um, but yeah, imposter syndrome. So this is the kind of the, the big thing. Cause I know we throw the term around a lot. Um, so sometimes it can, you know, when you hear a term a lot, like authenticity or imposter syndrome or whatever, just like kind of, you kind of get numb to it. You don't even really know what it means anymore. I feel like that's what's happened sometimes, <laughs> but basically it's this, uh, this pattern where, um, someone will skills, their talents, their accomplishments, because of this persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fake or a fraud. Um, So some people don't realize they really have it, but it tends to show up among like, especially among high achievers who succeeded a lot. So to them, it's not like something that's really great anymore. It's just something that's expected. (laughs) Mm. So then they just start chalking it up to being like, you know, have you, if you're a high achiever listening to this, you can probably relate to this feeling of like, oh my God, one day I'm going to fail at something and everyone's going to realize, um, or I'm not that pretty or something like that. Um, so that's where imposter syndrome kind of shows up. That's usually how it shows up. It shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, it can show up because we don't have as much exposure to failure in our lives. It can show up because of some self or societal expectation to succeed it can show up because of comparison. <laughs> it can show up because, and this is a big one, we start to equate 
our happiness, love, and worthiness to things like acceptance, achievement, and likability. <laughs> I can <laughs> feel like, yep. <laughs> right? Like where you feel like the only way I can be happy, the only way I can be loved, the only way I can be worthy is if I'm accepted by people, if I'm likable, um, and if I achieve things. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that makes total sense to me. Right? <laughs> uh, when you think of it that way, you're like, oh, shoot, I do attach some of that stuff to that. Um, because it's so, it's a, I mean, we, we think of it, like we think of worth a lot in terms of what other people think, right? Yeah. Um, and that's not everyone, but there are quite a few people who are like, the only way I am worth anything is if someone needs me or if someone likes me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which by the way, is a very Enneagram 2 thing. So if you are an Enneagram 2, <laughs> hi, that's probably you. Um, but yes, yeah, so different types of imposter syndrome, which I found really interesting because we talked about that in that workshop, if you recall. Mm-hmm. Um, these are fun um, because it really gets you to think in detail about like what kind of perfectionist or sorry, what kind of imposter syndrome you have. <laughs> and we all have a little bit of like a few, I think. Um, but one of the first ones is the, the perfectionist, which is the one who sets realistic expectations, unrealistic expectations, whoops, um, punishes themselves for not achieving those expectations. So it becomes the self fulfilling prophecy where <laughs> they set these lofty goals and then don't hit them and then feel upset and then keep doing it. Mm. Um, and then they also, these same people tend to be a little more controlling of their surroundings. They try and control everything around them, even though you can't. Um, and they rarely find success satisfying. I know I can relate to this one. <laughs> it sounds, I mean, I, I still struggle with that for sure, but it's me in my early twenties to a T. Yeah, no, I get coming from sales. I, I can tell that that's probably yeah. exactly right. You're yeah. trying to control, like you try to think you can, you think you can control things like what people think of you and, and all of that by becoming someone that they like and by becoming someone that they need and all of that. Um, but it's, I definitely get stuck in that controlling thing. Kind of like how people think like, oh, I can control how much money I'm getting. I can control how much money comes in this month when really you can't fully. I know that sounds weird to some people. And if it sounds weird, this is probably you. (laughs) Just saying. I love it. I love it. (laughs) It's so true though, right? Like if you're like, wait, what do you mean? I can't control how much money is coming in. You can't, I'm sorry. You're not the one controlling it. That's what that means. Right. but yeah, also if you rarely find success satisfying. So if you hit success and then you're always looking forward or you're like, oh, I got lucky, then probably you. That's me. Sometimes I hit success and I'm like not fully satisfied with it. Yep, that's me too. <laughs> I like so deeply relate, like resonate with this one. Okay, good. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a bunch of other types. So let's kind of move on to those. I love these. Um, one of my favorites to talk about is the expert. Um simply because I have a lot of clients who are like this. (laughs) Um, So I think this one's a lot of fun, but this is the person who has this fear of inexperience or lack of knowledge. So what they basically do is they take courses, they take certifications, they join workshops. They basically just take all the the things where they can learn all the time instead of moving out of that comfort zone of learning into actually doing and action. So what they usually find this type of imposter syndrome are, are people who decide, oh, I'm not ready yet to launch. I'm not ready yet to put myself out there to actually get clients because I need to keep learning. I'm just, I just don't know enough yet. I'm not ready. You know, that's that, that's that person. I was that person. I am no longer that person, (laughs) thankfully, but I know a lot of clients who get stuck in that just, they want to learn, 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 which is great. Learning is great. But when you take it in place of doing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. or it's like, oh, Um, I just need one more one more course. Right. You know, right. And it's, again, you, you keep, you see these people all the time where they're just like, they're, and I, again, I do with my clients where they're learning and they're, they, they're great at it. They know way more than they think they do. Mm -hmm. So if you are this person who is like constantly being like, I'm just not ready. I need to keep learning more. I need to get more knowledge. I'm not experienced enough. (laughs) Um, Just know that you, you know, a lot more than you think you do. (laughs) You are already way far ahead of most people. Um, so yeah, I love that one. Um, <laughs> the superwoman is another great one. And I know, I know quite a few people who fit into this category too. These are the people who have, this is me as well, a little bit, the workaholic attitude. Um, they're addicted to the validation from other people. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, from, and addicted to the validation even from working. So it's not even from the results, but they're addicted to the validation from actually working. <laughs> Um, and they get anxious when they're not working, when they're not doing something. 
Um, and criticism is usually a huge blow to these people. I can already, I know a lot of people in my head I can think of who fit in this category. Yeah, um, and that really sounds like me when I worked in sales. Yeah, um, sales attitude. And would it be like even the person who, because this is me often, mm-hmm. <laughs> the person who at night, like I'm not working at night, but I'm doing things that are productive. Exactly. This is exactly when you can't really seem to fully relax. Like I definitely mm-hmm. find like, I'll be sitting down on the couch. Okay, time to relax. And then I'll get on Instagram and answer DMs. Yeah. Because I feel like I have been doing that. Yeah. It's, it, and I, um, yeah, I totally like, I mean, I'm getting a lot better with this one, but totally the feeling of, oh, I, sh- I should be doing something more productive. Exactly. Like you feel like if you're not, and, and sometimes these people, even, and this is kind of interesting, they take self-care to like the extreme. Oh, that's me. And that they're doing it for the sake of being productive. But like, I'm being productive with my time by taking care of myself, but when you treat it like that sometimes <laughs> yeah, I was um, it becomes you're, you're you're again you're not actually allowing yourself to relax you're being like oh I'm being productive <laughs> yeah I was saying that to my husband just last week I was like okay like for a while there I don't know if you saw my stories but I was like I'm not watching tv anymore and it felt good because a lot of tv is negative and a lot of tv that I was watching mm-hmm. does didn't make me feel good and it doesn't have positive subliminal messages but I was replacing that with like meditate, like everything I was replacing it with was, was productive. So it was right. another form of my workaholic. Okay. I got rid of my workaholic. Cool. I don't work at night anymore, but now I have to be productive at night. And I'm like, right? what the ball sack <laughs> is this? Now I know. I was, and I've, I definitely fall into this, this trap a lot too. I 100% relate. I remember I had a, a one-on-one session with someone recently who, um, from my mastermind who, basically was like it sounds like you tie a lot of your worth into doing um so she had me write down an affirmation i am worthy even if i'm not doing i love (laughs) basically being like even if you're literally just sitting there if you're taking a walk not for exercise but just to walk (laughs) if you're hanging out with someone not because you need to get social time in but because you you just want to that's okay (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. I still, I still got some work to do. Yeah, I know. I have, so I have a lot of work to do on that one. Trust me. That is something that is one that I definitely fall in. That's probably my biggest issue. Yeah. (laughs) Um, where even when I'm like relaxing, I'm treating it like, which is why you feel so exhausted sometimes even after relaxing. (laughs) Yeah. It's like we relax to get our relaxing in so we can prove that we relaxed enough. (laughs) You don't need to do anything to do something. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway. But that's a good one. I think that's a good one, especially for us. I'm sure you can relate. Yeah. Um, and having grown up with a sales mom, I think that that's the sales attitude too. So if anyone has grown up around sales in any way, that is 100% the sales attitude of just doing, always doing something. Every time you do work, you get validated for it. <laughs> you know? What's your human um, design tape again? Um, I'm a projector. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Which is also why I run out of energy really quickly. So <laughs> Gotcha. Um, and I'm also a two, four profile for anyone who's interested. <laughs> um, anyway, we have a couple more types. Um, there's the natural genius. So this is quite a few of us too. These are the people who likely grew up with straight A's on a roll, just, you know, succeeded in sports, anything that's kind of in that realm. And then generally you, t- if you, when you fall into this category, what tends to happen is you believe that you have to be naturally good at everything. <laughs> So you'll likely avoid any activity that you're not good at, like the plague. Um, So, and this happens, I see this happen a lot with people who they got straight A's, they got on a roll. And because of that, you're like, well, I have to be good at things. So they'll maybe try Instagram and they'll realize it's, they're not as good at it as they thought maybe Mm. to start. And they'll get scared of it because they're like, oh shoot, I'm not as good at this now I need to avoid it because it's ingrained in your head that you're apparently supposed to be naturally good at everything interesting I don't really want uh, at all <laughs> this is what I this is what I actually relate to because I 100% was the super smart kid growing up yeah. I did thankfully break out of this because college taught me a very hard lesson <laughs> when I failed my first class um so th- I did learn failure ended up being a great thing for me but if you connect to this, it's very easy to get stuck in it for a really long period of time. And your twenties is the, and well, even later really is perfect time to break past it. Like failing is the, is the only way to break past this. You have to fail and realize, Oh wait, that was okay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, and I can t- tell you that from experience. Um, but this is again, the kind of imposter syndrome where like you, you realize like 
you know it's expected of you to be smart and you kind of think maybe you're not. So you feel like now you have to prove that everything you do, you are naturally good at because you think that's the expectation. Um, this is another, again, a, a different type of imposter syndrome. Definitely one that I suffered from for most of my childhood <laughs> where I avoided things I, and I can give a personal example. Um, I always like, I do have a bit of stage, right? Um, but I was always determined, like, I really wanted to get on stage and sing. But what I often did was I just avoided solos like the plague. Cause I realized when I did my first one, I, I, tried, I say, tried out for my first one. It didn't go the way I expected. <laughs> um, I was too nervous. I definitely flubbed a few of the notes. I was like really not happy with it. Um, and so I was like, oh shoot, I'm not as good at that as I thought. Avoid. Ah, interesting. <laughs> um, so I avoided it, but I regret that. I definitely regret that because I'm just like, wow, I could have gotten so much practice, like learning how to perform on a stage rather than just avoiding it and never really getting my chance, the chance that I wanted. So, mm -hmm. um, so little things like that. That's how it could show up. <laughs> All right. Um, one more. We have the soloist. I really like this one. This is the person who just likes to do everything by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely relate to this one a little bit too. And still, so I'd say probably for me, it's super that superwoman one and the soloist are kind of like two like main ones now. Um, I'm getting better. But this is the person that usually really struggles to ask for help um, because they think that asking for help can reveal that they're not as good as they thought they were. Like basically that they're inferior, that they're a phony. Basically they, they think if they ask for help, it will reveal them as the fraud that they're afraid of being. <laughs> Um, this was definitely me and still sometimes shows up occasionally. <laughs> um, this person's usually exceedingly independent, thinks they need to do everything by themselves, um, even if they don't realize it, that they're thinking that way. And they also tend to refuse help when it's offered because they can sometimes see it as a criticism of their abilities, um, which is one I've thankfully broken past. But some people like if someone tries to think of it as basically someone being like, oh, you're a phony, let me help you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can relate to this one a lot. I think that for me, like, I was not comfortable. I was comfortable with courses and masterminds and groups when it comes to my business, but hiring a one-to-one -one coach was really hard for me. And I think this is why. Mm, yeah, it's, I mean, this is exactly because again, you're afraid, like if you ask for help, you're, you feel like you're putting yourself below them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, which is just a natural way of, of kind of looking at it when really, and this is what I taught a lot of my VA clients before too. Um, like it, and I taught my VAs this, but <laughs> they always thought that being a VA, they were an assistant to someone. So they were below them. And I kept trying to tell them that you're actually a partner. You're on the same level. That's yeah, how you should be treating totally. it. And it's the same sense when you're looking for help, you're looking for a partner. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much someone who you feel like is above you. <laughs> um, right. Although it does, it is nice to sometimes find help from people who are where you are at. <laughs> yeah. I relate to that a lot. I, I was like super independent, like in high school and college and after college. And basically now I'm not independent at all. My husband, like I couldn't even like run this house without him. I literally, I literally oh. wouldn't know how to use like half the things in the house, but <laughs> I used to be very independent, but I definitely like, I want to prove it. I want to do it on my own so I can prove that I did it myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I know exactly. Trust me. I know exactly what you mean because <laughs> I definitely still get into this mode. And this is especially when I get into my projects. Like I have these cleaning projects and organization projects and I don't want anyone to help me. I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> do not tell me what to do. I am organizing this. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, so educational. Like People are probably having their minds blown right now. Isn't this really cool? <laughs> I love looking at this. Yeah. <laughs> it's just different ways of looking at imposter syndrome because it definitely shows up differently for different people. Mm -hmm. um, and again, like we we kind of we hear imposter syndrome and it it kind of, it we start getting numb to the term because it's just thrown around so much. Um, so I think that putting it in these terms can kind of help people understand a little bit more about how it actually relates to them. <laughs> I think it's really great because get like the specific examples that you give, people can say, oh, that's why I do that thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> but all of this, suffice to say, is basically all this does um, is it's making you avoid taking those uncomfortable steps and do it, taking action. Um, so all of this, whatever category you fit into, um, you're basically avoiding taking the action that you need to be taking. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so the key, if you're aware of this now is to be like, oh, wait, this is just like my brain trying to convince me in my own words 
<laughs> um, that I shouldn't be taking that action when really in reality I should be. Um, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. and the worst thing is our brain again, uses our voice and our words to do it. So it seems more believable, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's really hard to make that separation between our thoughts and ourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, those are all the types. Um, that I have anyway. I'm sure more exist. So if anyone knows any, let me know. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. So what are some of the best practices that you've used with imposter syndrome in your own life, in your business, with your clients? Yeah. Um, well, first, I mean, first, first and foremost is just journaling. And I recommend looking up prompts that help you. So I think one of my very favorite ones that I like to do, because often before I launch something new, I tend to get into these modes of like, I'm really nervous. I'm like, what if no one signs up for this? Yeah. <laughs> what if what, what if only one person signs up for the group program? What am I going to do? <laughs> like, you know, stuff like that. And I usually journal on why I'm excited about XYZ offer, whatever it might be. So for example, why I'm excited about my mastermind, why I'm excited about my challenge. And I'll just write down all the reasons about why I'm excited about it, ignoring everyone else, Ooh. but really why I'm excited about it. So I, you know, I've, I have a whole like journal where I've been <laughs> writing that stuff out for my mastermind. And I like to look back on it. Um, but like, you know, I would, I would write things like, well, I believe that, you know, I put everything in here for a reason. And like, you know, I think that this is exactly what's going to help people get over this hump of minds, you know, this mindset roadblock or whatever I wrote down. I don't know. I have a bunch of things. <laughs> Um, I'm excited about it because I love talking to groups. So I even wrote stuff, stuff like that down. I'm excited about it because, um, you know, oh, the last group had so many great people and I'm just so excited to have that happen again, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and just, just things like, it doesn't have to be big. It could just be excited about it because, oh my God, every month we get to talk about, we get to brainstorm content and I love brainstorming content. <laughs> so, um, but again, that just kind of helps you remind you about why you, because if you're excited about it, that makes it easier to talk about something, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. <laughs> Sometimes you have to remind yourself why you're excited about it without getting caught in the details of what might happen. Yeah, that's really smart. So I like doing that. Um, and I think anyone can do that because we all have offers, products, whatever it might be. Um, something that we're trying to do, um, even if it's just like, even if we're a career person, maybe why am I excited about my job? <laughs> Why am I excited about this activity I'm doing? I have to do that for tennis too. I get really nervous when I go into my matches. I have one tonight, actually, day of recording. Um, So I have to remind myself, why am I excited to go play tennis? (laughs) Oh, that's right. I like working out. Oh, that's right. I love hitting my backhands. (laughs) This is for everything. Just to remind myself, it's not about the result. It's not about what might happen. It's about how I feel (laughs) about it. Ain't that the the truth? We get so caught up in the outcomes and we do it for the outcome. And it's like, what if we just did it to feel good right now and have fun and be excited? Yeah, right? Yeah. And that'll usually attract people to you as well if, if that's what you if that's how you want to think about it. But <laughs> um, but it really does because I find if you again, if you're more excited, if you're living in that energy, people really do notice. Um, it's not some woo-woo thing, it's like actually legitimate. <laughs> We all pick up on energy and emotions from each other and we want to be around people who are enthusiastic. It's yeah. That, 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 that's why we, that's why we like follow certain people on Instagram. We're like, I want their life. Don't you want people to think, look, look at you and be like, say that. She's having fun. Yeah. <laughs> a great time. I want her to coach me or whatever you're doing. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so there's that. Um, I also do my little, I have a little comparison exercise that I do that I I mentioned like a million times every week to someone, um, which is just the finding the people I'm comparing myself to. I write down three reasons why I think they're better than me. And the reason for that being that I'm just calling out those beliefs. Um, And then I write down three reasons why I'm different than them, which is reminding me about like the reasons why I stand out from them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So there is that. And I started to actually get into because I realized a different an addition to that exercise now is I'm like what can I I now I write down what can I learn from this person um, so it's like so now I've done like a why do I think they're better than me so just to kind of call that out um, why do why am I different than them and then well what can I learn from them <laughs> not how can I be them but what can I learn I that. so, yeah that's kind of how I sort of handle impact syndrome a little bit just awareness and then a little bit of journaling <laughs> 
Okay, you guys know I'm a huge proponent of holistic solutions for our mental and physical health. That's why I'm so excited to share Premium Jane with you and even provide a discount code for 20% off. Premium Jane is a CBD brand that I trust because it's organic and made in the USA. For those who aren't sure what CBD and all the hype around it is about, CBD is the second most prevalent active compound found in cannabis. This gives you the medical benefits of marijuana without the high. There are tons of studies that support CBD with alleviating lots of problems ranging from depression and sleep to even cancer. I highly recommend doing your own research to see what CBD can help you with. It may even be a way to reduce or eliminate pharmaceuticals that can be harmful and full of side effects. CBD is derived from plants and premium Jane products come right from plants grown in Kentucky. I personally use CBD for pain such as headaches and period cramps and also for anxiety. The product I'm currently using from Premium Jane is the Strawberry Gummies and I love that they're vegan. They also offer oils, topical cream, which I've heard works super well for pain, and even CBD bath bombs. If you haven't tried CBD yet but are curious or looking for a new brand that you can trust, try Premium Jane. Just head to premiumjane.com and use code CONFIDENCE for 20% off. The link and coupon code are also in the show notes. Totally. So why do you think so many entrepreneurs are playing small and maybe they start an Instagram page and, you know, they're starting to share, but you can just tell that they're holding back. Um, what do you say to help them move through fear and, and to really, you know, we, we know how scary that is. Like mm-hmm. it's super scary, the risk of failing, the risk of some not people not buying your things, whatever. Um, yeah. What do you say to her to get her moving through that fear and just like being okay with what happens? Yeah. So, well, first of all, I like to let people know that it's okay to be scared. You're allowed to be scared. And we all are, we all are, (laughs) we are all scared in the beginning. So it's, it's fine. (laughs) It's the first thing I'm like, you don't have to pretend you're not scared. You don't have to try and continuously find out ways to necessarily move past it right in that moment, because what you're going to find is that some of the best action you can take is while you're scared, Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) is to take the action while you're scared, because the more we try and avoid the fear is when we fall into that trap of not taking the action we need to be taking. (laughs) So that's the first thing. Um, I always recommend to people to kind of always dig into the root of well, what it is that's, that's really scaring you? Like, what is the core fear behind everything? And, you know, what half the time we, we, we fall back on money. It's like, well, I'm afraid that I'm not going to have money to live and support myself and or my family. <laughs> like that usually is the, the feeling with that, but there's usually deeper feelings behind that. Um, there's the feeling of disappointing their family. Cause here, here's the reality, right? Like we're all afraid of like losing money, not having money to support our families and stuff. A lot of, a lot of those same people. And I've talked to clients who have been in the situation actually have parents who like, you know, work push came to shove would support them if something fell through. Um, not saying you have to rely on that, but I'm saying like, so it's, so the money actually isn't the fear. It's something else. It's maybe the disappointment, <laughs> you know? I think that's so, a really good point. Yeah. You're like, you're, you're referring to like investing in your business, which is pretty necessary to like yeah. figure out what to do. <laughs> Exactly. Like, and there's always like a little, there's always like a little a d- deeper fear, usually beneath the kind of baseline, like the surface fear we, we've identified. So digging into that, because that'll help you figure, usually figure out how you need to progress past it. Um, because we, we always talk about people who don't want to spend money, right? They're just like, oh, like you need to spend money to make money. <laughs> you know, you need to invest in yourself, which I still think is true. Um, but that's only that's sometimes only addressing that like surface fear without addressing like well Mm. are you afraid about disappointing people well let let's let's talk about that yeah (laughs) are you afraid about you know and here's the other thing too it's like um you probably all heard of like what's called maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. um and i think there's quite a few people who sometimes start these businesses who are actually kind of sort of stuck or think that they're stuck in one of those bottom tiers which is like shelter, food, water, you know, <laughs> and then you kind of move up to like safety and security. And if you ever look at, look up the pyramid, it's actually really interesting because basically what it's, what it's trying to say um, is that like, you need to have this stuff at the bottom before you have the stuff at the top. And the stuff at the top is like fulfillment and, and all of that, that kind of stuff that we talk about. But what I notice with a lot of people is that they actually have everything 
or not at least a lot of people I'm talking to, not everyone, but everyone who, who's been coming to me, they actually have a lot of that stuff at the bottom. So right. money is not the issue. Right. <laughs> money is not the core fear. Um, so they're almost like, so, like putting themselves lower on the pyramid when they really should be up higher. Um, so I would recommend looking into that and seeing where you all on the pyramid mm-hmm. currently. Um, and then, and then you kind of can work past it from there because again, it's people like doing a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's almost making themselves, and I hate to put it this way, but almost making yourself into a victim when sometimes you're not. Right. And I feel like a lot of people, and I've been this person, I've been the person who was afraid mm-hmm. to invest because oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't feel like I had the money. I, but, but when I'm really honest with myself, the money was an excuse because I was scared of putting myself out there, which the coach is going to make you do. Exactly. Or like, you know, I think for me, I was, you know, I was scared of disappointing the people around me. I was scared of failing. And then after I was so loud about everything I was doing, I would have to be like, well, I'm back in an admin assistant job. Right. <laughs> like, public failure. It's, it could be public failure, but you're, yeah. You're, but yeah. So how do you, and the, I, I know, I know you, you have spoken about this before with the person who's like, oh, once I sign a few clients, then I'll invest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see that all the time. I tend not, I don't try and push people who are in that mode because a lot of times you, I'll talk to them. Try and push people to invest in me at that current moment. Um, just because that, that, that's a very, that's a very internalized thing that you really kind of have to break. Your own, uh, <laughs> you really have to get through on your own. There's really no one who's going to be able to t- like, they can help you. They can guide you kind of like, that's what we do. We, we guide people on that. Um, but in the end, no one's, there is going to be no one who tells, who does the thing for you, who tells you, oh, it's like, you know, you're not going to fail. Don't worry. I've, I've got you. Right. <laughs> like like th- th- there really isn't that person. You might get lucky and you might maybe have a husband or a family or who, who will do that. But even then I'm nervous about it, no matter what, trust me from experience, I can tell you. Um, yeah. so <sighs> And I think I've, I keep seeing the example of people have been posting this a lot recently where it's like, if it's about money and you're, you're thinking like, I need to wait till I get clients in order to invest so I can get the money. If you invest now, you're actually going to have more money in the long term than if you did it later. Right. Right. <laughs> Except yes. invest smartly, obviously. Like you're not just, don't just throw your money at the first person that comes by. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, and like, no one's telling you that you have to invest in, in any person, like, you know, invest in the person that you think is going to get this. Um, but that said, um, it, it, it never really made much sense to me. The people who are like, I need to wait to invest until I get those clients simply because it's like, they're, they're basically saying like, I'll be ready when I have those clients. When in reality, it's like, look, if you have that attitude now, you are absolutely never going to be ready. Cause I can guarantee you in your life, you've probably always said, ah, oh, when I reach 2000 in my savings, I'm going to do this. And then when you did that, you probably were like, ah, oh, well, never mind. When I reach 5,000 <laughs> or the person who was like, I'm going to move to this place next year. And then when next year came, never mind, I'm going to wait until next year. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same concept. And we are constantly pushing it back because we constantly feel like we're not ready because we're never ready. (laughs) For a big scary risk, yeah. The readiness comes from actually taking the risk, unfortunately, which is super scary to be like, oh, wait, you mean the only way I'm going to feel ready is when I actually do the thing? (laughs) Yeah, that's actually... That's actually how it works, unfortunately. <laughs> right. It's like you sometimes you just gotta take big action while you're scared. And it's mm-hmm. gonna be scary. But the thing that I normally find is things feel so much more daunting in our mind. When you really ask yourself, what's the worst case scenario here? It's usually not homelessness. It's usually not death. It's exactly. A little bit of embarrassment is really the worst case scenario. <laughs> I mean, I think that, I think, yeah, that is definitely the thing is everyone constantly thinks, oh, I'm going to be homeless. So I'm going to be going to be uh-huh. this. And it's, you know, again, there's, it's not like there aren't people there who, who can be in those situations. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. <laughs> um, but most of the time, the worst case scenario for that specific risk that you want to take is not as bad as you think. <laughs> Right. It really isn't. It's kind of like, and this, I know, again, I know this can sound bad to some people who definitely don't want to do this, but um, you can invest and like put it on a credit card, for example. <laughs> and maybe like, maybe it's 0% interest for a while, but you are still paying it off after that. And maybe you're paying a little bit of interest on it for a little while. 
sure it sucks it's not great <laughs> um but if that's the worst case scenario right you know i mean you have to take some risks worse. yeah you gotta yeah. you gotta decide are you willing to take risks and put yourself out there if not then I don't know how you're going to have a business because that's exactly. what it is. <laughs> and are you, are, and, you know, on top of that, are you willing to actually like put in the time and effort to find the risk that you want to take, you mm -hmm. know, because mm -hmm. um, not everyone is going to be made for us. Like not every thing you invest in is, is going to be the one that you, the thing that you need. Um, so I think like, that's the other thing people, I think people also get stuck on just not knowing what to invest in. And it's like, well, are you going to be willing to put the time and energy into like really do the research, look into people, talk to people, yeah. <laughs> figure out what it is you do best with. Do you do best with courses? Do you do best talking one-to-one? -one? Do you do best in groups? Like mm -hmm. it really does take some inner work to figure it out. And that can be scary too. Being like, I can't just throw your money at one person and be like, figure it all out for me. Like you actually have to figure that out. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that's also scary. And I think people are just scared of having to do that too. And so they think, well, I just have to invest money in someone who will help me figure that out, which isn't, you know, yeah. <laughs> in the end, that's, that's inner work that you, that you eventually have to do, which, you know, to each their own. But I definitely think that, um, I think it's fine to take your time to invest, but I also think that the longer you push it off, the less likely you are to actually do it. Right. And what I found a lot too, I've had a lot of clients say this to me, if I hadn't hired you as a coach, I would never, I would have given up. I would have yeah. given up by now. And that's, that's part of the investment. It's not like, you know, sometimes it might be buying a laptop or getting a virtual assistant or whatever investment it is. It's not always going to be a coach, but when we're, when we're afraid to invest and, and a lot of times we're afraid to go all in. And once you're all in and you have money on the line, you're much mm -hmm. more likely to make it work. So that's, right. like, that's a big part of it too. Yeah. I've been, I've definitely in the last year, I've invested about $15,000 say, and that is a scary number for me to say, but then I also think about it and I'm like, and yet somehow I'm making it work even now when mm -hmm. I'm not like, I'm not, it's not like I'm earning a ton of money and I'm somehow still making it work. How is that happening? I don't know. Belief. <laughs> and that's literally happened to me every time. I mean, I invested, I don't know. I, I've invested at least 10 grand a year in my business with coaches and courses and things like that. And same, it's like the money never went anywhere. Almost. Like it, it did, but it always, it always works out. And if you, if you look back on life, like, hasn't that always kind of happened too? like things do work out. I have gotten to zero in my bank account. I have been there. Yeah. <laughs> I've had, you know, my money on a credit card that I probably should not have had. <laughs> you know, I've spent, you know, I've, I've been, I've been in those places and I thankfully do have a very supportive family. So that obviously has helped me, but I think that also helped me remember like my worst case scenario, thankfully is not homelessness. Um, and learning that and realizing that made it so much easier for me to make these investments. Cause I was like, you know what, like if the worst thing that's going to happen is that I have to go back into an admin assistant job. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> right. The worst case scenario sometimes is picking up a part-time job or, or going back to corporate. But if that's where you started, then like, what's the harm in trying? Like, yeah. it's been like, I already started there. And you know, if you have to, and also there's no shame in having a full-time job or a part-time job while doing, no, no, no one said all these businesses we might be doing on the side have to be uh, full-time gigs. Right. <laughs> no yeah. one said they have to be. Um, and there's no reason to rush to get there while you're still figuring out what it is you want to do. Um, and while you're still figuring out how you want to get there in a way that feels good for you. Because I know a lot of people that got, got to their like 5k months and, you know, later realized it's like, I was so stressed. I was working with people I didn't want to work with. Um, I was working like 70 hours a week I was, and they just weren't happy because they rushed to get the money before mm -hmm. they thought about what it was they really wanted out of their business. <laughs> They yeah. thought the money would give them what they wanted, but that's not true. <laughs> right. That's so not true. But we're, we're, we're kind of told that in our society that once you have money, everything's great. And I still sometimes believe that I like, it's, it's so easy. And this is, you know, part of the, the whole imposter syndrome thing with me too, the fact that I'm not earning a ton of money, but then I remember I'm like, but I'm living life the way I want to live it. <laughs> right. Um, because I could go and get a full-time job and probably be earning a lot more but I would be miserable. I, I want to touch on that too, because 
we need to normalize that it does take time to build a business. I think we see a lot of these ads where it's like, I can help you make six figures in your first six months, $10,000 a month. That happens, but it's incredibly rare. It is rare. And some people, people stumble into just the right market. They have just the right offer. They already know exactly what it is they want to do. And it happens to be profitable. Sometimes people already had an audience from blogs or, or sometimes people are saying the 10 K months when really it's a 10 K months in sales versus cash. Yeah, so which is that, that goes payment plans, remember, we do have payment plans, they right. exist. Because, um, you know, if I were talking in just sales, I could probably talk a lot, you know, talk myself up a lot more, but I don't yeah. like, to, I don't like to talk like that. I'm thinking more about what I'm bringing in. But it's so true, because, and I, I hate, I really don't like the whole like quick money thing. I think it's, I think it's great for the people that it works for, uh, that it actually works for. Um but I definitely find that it, you know, some people who see that are just sort of left behind thinking like, why am I not getting a client in the first four months? And I'm like, actually, that's, that's kind of normal. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's actually not as weird as you think. And it doesn't matter if it's even weird because your business is different than someone else's business anyway. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think the problem with that type of marketing is that then like I've gone through those programs that promise those things. And I learned a ton and it really helped me. But nobody that went in the program is now making $20,000 a month, you know, six months later, right? And the problem is, um, like, this was me last winter, me and this girl went through a program like that. And we thought, oh, it's just us. Everyone else is making these $10,000 months. We just can't figure it out. And that's what that, that's what that kind of does. So, like, I think it's important to, to be honest. And that's one thing that I really appreciate about you is, like, the realness, the honesty. Like, you're not out there trying to convince people that you're further along than you are, um, which yeah, is interesting because that's how, you know, that's how I'm, I'm, I am thankful that like, again, I'm an authenticity coach. It doesn't make any sense for me to lie about what I'm earning. <laughs> Let's, be right, real. Right. Let's be real. So I will say that it's really nice that I can label myself as such because that also holds me accountable. Um, which is also part of the reason why I gave myself that label being like, well, now I have no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just for me. Um, but I definitely, like, I remember, I think it was last weekend, I um, I decided to post about what I was really earning per month because I, I realized, um, I know when I started out, like, I definitely looked at people like you and like some other people in the industry um, who had more followers and stuff like that, who I looked up to and were like, oh, they must be earning tons of money and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Um, but then I realized now that I'm at the point where some people are looking at me like that. <laughs> Right. And I was like, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. We need to clear the air here. <laughs> yeah. I real- I still- it, it took me a second because I realized that. And I was like, I have to at least say something and let people know like, hey, just because it looks like that does not mean that's true. And hopefully that helps with some people's imposter syndrome because talking to people and learning the real story behind people and what they're really earning, what they're really struggling with, all of that is such a great way to help with your imposter syndrome. <laughs> right. And we, we need that. We need to be examples of that. And like, yeah, it's just, it's just being real. And I, I still find myself looking at someone's number of followers and being like, oh, they must make X amount of money. And I'm like, wait a second. I, I know that that's not true, but like in half the time those followers are, are bought anyways, but like for mm-hmm. some reason, um, but yeah, I mean, it took me a year to match my corporate salary and then, you know, a year, a year and a half to hit seven, $8,000 months. And I'm not hitting that every single month. Like I'm going to be real about that because I want people to know, um, you know, I think that people assume, yeah, oh, she must be, you know, doing all these crazy things because you, you see a lot of accounts where that's talked about and then you assume it's everybody at that level exactly. or whatever that was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I think it's just, it's just an easy way to look at things. I think when you come in, you just, it's black and white. Like everything just seems black and white. You have yeah. over this many followers, you're successful. Yeah. You less than that, you're not successful. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, when in reality, you're like, I certainly like, I have talked to, um, you know, people, other mindset coaches who have like 200 followers and they have clients. Yeah. They're doing great. I know firsthand people who have less than a thousand followers and are making six figures or more. Like, yeah. that's. I mean, you also don't know, like, you know, maybe they had an audience somewhere else. Maybe they, maybe they didn't have an audience somewhere else. Maybe this is their only audience. Yeah. Uh, maybe they have an email list. Like who even knows? Like it's all of this is, is it, it's all different. Like who, I like to look at people's, like, if they have a client highlight, I like to look there to kind mm-hmm. of see um, that usually gives me a better idea where they might be at. <laughs> Right. 
Um, I also like to look at engagement, right? I do that a lot of kind of like seeing like, oh, how many people are actually photos and stuff versus Mm -hmm. their actual following count. And that also helps me feel a little bit better because sometimes I do that and I'm like, ah, okay, I'm okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think it's definitely... It's, it's just definitely just so easy to compare ourselves to other people, especially people that we are way farther along. We feel like we're so far from that. But I can tell you a year, almost a year into the game now, like I've come so far, like I've done so much in a year. I, you know, thought people with over a thousand followers were like celebrities. <laughs> um, and now I'm here and I'm like, okay, I can confirm not celebrity. <laughs> right. Can't confirm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, and it's, oh, it's so weird. It's just, it's really weird to kind of like look back and see how far you've actually come. That's another thing for imposter syndrome that I like is looking back at how far I've come since a certain point. Cause I can tell you young Dami was very, very shy, very, very socially anxious. <laughs> didn't like, didn't like really like being on camera except for her natural pose of this. That's what, that was my pose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, was just very weird and awkward um and I've I've grown I'm just like whoa and you know that that's only since high school um which is just kind of crazy to think about how much can change and being and it makes you think like wow so many other things can change going forward like where am I going to be in 10 years who knows absolutely I think that's that's a really good point too like you know we tend to think because of everything we see online oh I I need to make this much right away or it's not going to be worth it. It's like, mm-hmm. well, why when, you know what I mean? No one's making 10 K a month at their corporate job. I mean, not, not very many people. So mm-hmm. why is that the benchmark of success online? Yeah. And you, if you made that five years down the road, you know, or two or three, wouldn't that still be like way awesome? Exactly. But I, well, the thing I always think about is my, as I think about my mom, because she's definitely the workaholic type, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like the superwoman type. Yeah. Um, but I think having her around has definitely like, at first it was like a point of admiration, which has not gone away, but I eventually saw it as something like, I don't want to be that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to have that life specifically. The life of just everything is about work, constant work. Oh, after dinner, going to go upstairs and work. Oh, it's the weekend, going to go work. <laughs> like, yeah. No, like you. I did not, or like, you know, working 12 hours a day or more, uh, everyone's calling, everyone always calling me to do their work for them. Like, I was like, I don't want to live that life. Yes, she is earning money, but to me, that's not worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, what's the point of having that money? If you can't use it, <laughs> Absolutely. you can't go out and have some fun and not just for like an hour on a Saturday, but like, you know, go on a vacation more than once a year. <laughs> Like, take a day off regularly. Like, that was something I didn't want. So I immediately knew. I was like, first of all, sales, no. Um, But that was like, it was kind of a wake-up call for me. The more, like, the older I got, the more I started to realize that is not normal. And I don't want that to be my normal. Mm. Um, I And which is why I ended up going into things like administrative jobs. Because the one thing I liked about those positions is that they allowed, they generally allowed me the freedom to kind of, do some things on the side. It wasn't as taxing. I always was off at the same time. I eventually didn't like the structure of it, obviously, like the rigidity, but I did go into it being like, you know what? I'm, I'm good at this job, first of all, and I can get it done really quickly and I can do my blogs and stuff on the side. So that was like, that was like my whole reasoning for going into that in the first place. Yeah. Um, but to me, that was the first step. And it was the first step to being like, I don't want that life. How am I going to not live that life? Let's start. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but yeah, so we all start in different places and we all do different things. So if you're jumping into a business headfirst, um, without going through that process, good for you. <laughs> I will say admin assistant is not flexible. Um, but it seemed like it at the time compared to my mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, freedom is everything. I think like I, well, I definitely was very much into like outer success with my career before this. And then going into this, I was still very much about outer success and numbers and proving myself and all these things and like hustling for my worth. And now I'm just like, I just want the freedom. I just love like, you know, this week I went to the zoo during the day with my oh, friend and her. Wait, kids. that's so much fun. I should go do that. <laughs> Sorry, now that you said that, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm sure our zoo is open. So, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, like you can live life. Like, I mean, it's amazing. 
Oh, I love that. I love that. Like, but I think it's so great. Cause like the fact that I even got to go up and visit you, yeah. um, like I got to visit my brother, visit you, but, but I could still do my work while I was up there. It was pretty fantastic. I was like, wow, I could literally take this anywhere. Um, you know, once COVID's you know, more over, I can go do that with more people. I can go visit my friend in Ohio and I <laughs> like yeah. maybe go visit my friends in, in California. And like, I just had, there's so many things that you can do. And it's so nice to have that freedom. And I think that was, I got to say that for me, like breaking past imposter syndrome, the easiest way for me to, I wouldn't say easiest, I, there's a lot of different strategies to help in the moment. But the reason why I was always able to take action <laughs> um, was because I had a dream. Mm-hmm. Because I had a dream that I envisioned so well in my head that I was like, there is no way this cannot come true. And I eventually realized throughout my teenage, teenagerdom, <laughs> so to speak, that if I didn't do anything, it wasn't going to happen. And that was a wake up call to be like, well, I got to do something. <laughs> Yeah. If you want it bad enough, go get it. You know, I couldn't imagine my life going any other way. I'm like, I can't imagine having a regular nine to five my whole life. I just can't imagine it. Therefore I have to be taking action now and do it. (laughs) Right. Right. It's like the person who's stuck in fear and I get it. It's scary, but it's like, do you want this bad enough? You have to decide. And if not, then, then you get to not complain about it, not work. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I was in that victim mode for a long time where I wanted mm-hmm. people to feel sorry for me and I wanted yeah. to without taking action, mm. you know? Yeah, I think so. I think we, we, we definitely fall into that sometimes. <laughs> I think we, we always have to, do, wait, what's worse? Is it the fear of failure or is it the fear of regret? And let's be real, mm-hmm. for most of us, it's that fear of regret down the line. In the moment, it's the fear of failure. Right. We're not thinking about whether we're going to regret that decision right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> because in the moment, it feels good to stay comfortable. Um, But down the line, like they always say, like almost any old person, (laughs) um, anyone, um, they will probably tell you the things that they regret the most in life are the things they didn't do. Right. They're not going to regret like a launch flop when they're in yeah. their, when they were 30 years old. <laughs> yeah. They're probably using that as a funny story. In fact, <laughs> like most, of, most, of, most of my grandparents, that's all they, they always use those stories as like a fun story to tell. Like, Hey, remember that? Like even my dad, like he uses a lot of his failures in his life as like stories to tell, but most of the things he regrets are the things that he chose not to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so you can ask anyone who's later on in life, the things they didn't do. And even now looking back on my childhood, it's the things that I chose not to do that I regret more than the things I actually chose to do. <laughs> yeah. My only regret really, my only real regret in life is not studying abroad in college. And why didn't I do it? Because of money. Same. Wouldn't have made any <laughs> I had. And it wasn't even money for me. Would have been I, it was my parents were going to pay for my study abroad. They were going to pay for it. And I decided not to go because I was afraid I wasn't going to finish college in time. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. It's like, Isn't that dumb? it's so dumb. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. I need to be able to finish in four years. And if I do this study abroad now, I'm not going to be able to do that. I was like, so determined. And mm. I look back at that. And I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> Yeah. You could have gone to Florence. You could have gone to Paris. Your parents would have paid for it. <laughs> like, oh my God. Who doesn't do take, that? It was the dumbest choice the I've ever made. Yeah, please. If you're listening to this, like, I swear to God. Just take the leap. Just do it. <laughs> it. It is worth it in the end. Even if you're left with a little bit of debt, like, you know, experiences, things like this are going to be worth it. Obviously, like, you can still make smart decisions. And I promise you, you're, you're going to, you're not going to regret it. It's going to be fine. if you're not I I I don't regret any of the investments I've made even the ones that maybe didn't turn out the way I expected them to because I learned something from them and to me that's important um yeah they also gave me the story to tell about the fact that I (laughs) about the fact that I maybe didn't turn out the way I expected yeah so which is fine and I'm fine with it absolutely anyway I think we talked a lot. We did. We did. <laughs> um, so I'm sure everyone is going to want to find you. Do you, oh. where, where can we find you and follow you? And do you have any workshops coming up or any offers right now? Yeah. So uh, follow me first of all, uh, at the authentic Dami, D-O-M-I um, on Instagram. So you can go follow me there. That's where I post most things. Um, 
And I do have, you know, some upcoming works. I have a workshop every single month. So if you want to know what's coming up, <laughs> um, depending on when you're hearing this, just DM me and I will let you know what's coming up. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Yes. Go follow her. I'll put her link in the show notes as well for her Instagram. Um, yeah, this has been so fun. If you guys have any takeaways from this, if you're listening and you're like, yeah, I figured something out, damn it. You know, now I know how to move past imposter syndrome. <laughs> Um, take a screenshot, share this on your Instagram and tag me at candid.confidence and tag Dami at the authentic Dami yeah. and share it. Help us spread the word. We so appreciate it. And um, yeah. And thank you so much for having me on. This was so much fun. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Okay.